Welcome to the PH Journals podcast, where we explore hunting, wildlife management, and conservation. As hunters and conservationists, we know that hunting can be a powerful tool for wildlife conservation, generating revenue and promoting healthy ecosystems. Join us as we explore the latest research, interviewing experts and practitioners, and sharing stories from the field. Whether you're a hunter or conservationist, or simply interested in learning more about this somewhat controversial topic. Hi, my name is Dylan Love. I'm a professional hunter out of the southern tip of the dark continent. Join us as I believe hunting is our best conservation tool we have to offer. Hey guys, and uh, yeah, welcome yet to another episode. Um, uh, like promised before, I would get back into the whole Q&A session. Um, there's been a couple that have come up in the past couple of weeks. And of course, after the podcast with Doug, um, massive success. But I also think it's raised a lot of questions. Um, people kind of not understanding where the taxidermy industry is, which is a great thing. But at the same time, with all the changes that have happened, have kind of sparked a new little bit of interest into best possible ways to get you guys taxidermy stuff out there. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is that we've got a couple of exciting podcasts planned now um, to tie in with the whole Splitting Image podcast with uh, shipping and permits and all that sort of stuff that you need to know for the forthcoming season, as well as to finish off the rest of the season, obviously. But other than that, um, it's been a an interesting couple of days. Uh, I am preparing to go on to a 10-day, or sorry, yeah, 10-day safari uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, I'm super excited about this one. We've got some really, really unique animals coming up. Um, and it also allows me the opportunity to hunt in a completely different um, environment. Uh, one I've hunted many, many times before, but never really been based out of. So that's a special, a special hunt coming up. Um, and then, of course, we're going for an animal that's closely, closely um, crept into my one of my favorite animals and species to hunt. And I think it's just tied around the whole conservation program behind it. And that is the Oribe. Uh, we'll be joining yet again Jeff Ford up in the Port Alfred area where um, we will be embarking on an adventure to get down probably one of the most um, successful conservation stories South Africa has been involved with. Um, there's many, many of them out there, but the Oribe down in the Eastern Cape has got to be one of the definitely close to top one, two um, in the books. Um, they've revived a thriving number of Oribe in that area and s almost single-handedly had a massive impact into the increased numbers um, down in the Port Orford region. But we'll get more into that as we go along. Um, I'm hoping to still do a couple more episodes before we get there. But like we've planned for this episode, we'll be answering two questions. Um, I'm super stoked about this one. I think it's quite an in there, there were quite interesting questions that were asked. But before we get into it, just a big shout out once again. Splitting Image, Taxidermy, Scully's, FFS, Outdoors, Maxis Tires, PH Toolbox. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on, guys. The amount of support I've got. And for us to reach the number one podcast in Africa, hunting podcast in Africa, um, I couldn't have done it without you guys listening. Um, the very people that listen to these podcasts, download, share it across all social media platforms 
platforms. It's all thanks to you guys for creating awareness. And it keeps me enthusiastic about keeping on doing this. I really, really love and I'm passionate about what I do. And I'm constantly looking at ways to make sure that not only us as local hunters are informed within the industry, but to the international and most importantly, the guys that I believe are in the front line of conservation, the professional hunters themselves. So guys, <clears throat> let's get into it. Um, obviously, we've got a couple of interesting topics to discuss. The first one goes as follows. Hi Dylan, been a long time follower of PH Journals, really started to enjoy the podcast. Um, my question just goes as follows. What is the difference between a daily rate and camp or lodge fees? I've been coming down to South Africa now for five years, and this is the first time that I have seen something like a lodge fee or camp fee slowly creep in to the quotations. If you could just shed some light on that, I don't want to confuse the situation any more than what it is. Um, I love your podcast. Keep it up, and we'll chat soon. <clears throat> Guys, it's been a long-time friend of mine. Um, unfortunately, doesn't really want his name mentioned on the podcast, but this was sent through to me uh, over Instagram, and we've been going back and forth about some of the ways that the industry um, in South Africa can... Um, I think the right word is project, project themselves in a much better light because at the end of the day, um, there's still a lot of um, uncertainty around certain things. Uh, there's, I just found in the last couple of years, especially since COVID, outfitters have constantly started like hiding a lot of fees and um, unnecessary and, and not really, really being transparent. It's because I don't think any other reason, yes, of course, there are some guys out there that are trying to take, um, you know, trying to take advantage of the system and the vulnerability of our industry at the moment. But I still think it's just the, the whole, the bigger picture is the uncertainty around our industry. Uh, a lot of guys are losing out on a lot of money um, with the fluctuation in dollar. And of course, um, our, our ever decreasing economy, um, like mentioned before, so many times before. And people think it's, 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 it's just one aspect. There's so many more out there, load shedding and all this sort of stuff, where guys actually have crept bad habits into their quotations and into their um, asking price because um, they've had to account for all these hidden fees that come up and all these unexpected uh, changes within the system. So, yeah, of course, um, let's dive into it. Firstly, um, I've been seeing it for some time now that there's there's a lodge and a camp fee. Um, I personally, been in the, the outfitting game now for some time, I understand the whole approach to that is because especially when outfitters are renting out lodges um, for whatever reason it may be, they would like to separate those costs from their actual asking day fee. So if we had to break it down into two sections, the day fee kind of needs to cover um, the trackers that they pay a salary, the professional hunters that they pay a salary, and if the outfitter supplies diesel, um, it's basically kind of the running costs that get you as the hunter out in the field the best possible service you can possibly get by paying those people that deliver on these services, PHs um, and trackers, all that sort of stuff. Um, it used to be back in the day that the daily rate would incorporate all of that. Um, I did see, however, a couple of outfitters strictly... Um, separate the ph fee to their daily rate which was always a great thing i always think the more transparent you can be with your client um 
is it's always a better option to take because these guys they just want honesty pure honesty and um you know unfortunately what 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 has happened in the past couple of years is these guys aren't quite sure so it's not everyone to blame but um the more honest and the more the more honest approach you can take it just makes things so much easier so for me um and i'm talking from my side now i do charge a camp fee i do charge a lodge fee camp fee lodge fee same thing i do charge for that because i think um you know the running costs of the lodge are completely separate to what a daily rate should be um maybe we can you know label it something else instead of daily rate kind of um it kind of sounds yeah it it just doesn't i don't know it doesn't have any sort of intuition into what it actually stands for but so the lodge fee camp fee basically covers on my side if if i was an outfitter it would cover my costing expenses on the lodge so the lodge that i'll be utilizing will charge me um, a daily rate a daily fee and i will convert that into a camp fee including in um small things like uh you know it could be a hidden cost but you just add it into the price um which i will absorb at the end of the day so for instance like large camp fee would cover my um shuttle to and from the airport so a lot of guys would say you know airport shuttle included um, it is kind of that's kind of a must but at the end of the day you kind of add it into the price on, on on the daily on the lodge fee camp fee type thing and you know just basic running expenses around the lodge i think that's important to differentiate the two um, and the reason for that is because you know as a, as a if i were the outfitter you would have to distinguish a, 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 what your professional hunter is actually costing you per day and you would be able to dis- distinguish those daily rates accordingly so if you need to increase the daily rates and not the lodge rates you would have you would have that significant amount of data to do so so <clears throat> separating the two camp fee lodge fee that's purely for your dining and dining experience uh, the people that make your beds in the morning cook your food or the bar um, the all-inclusive bar um, just trying to think of anything else you know the snacks in and around lunch breakfast supper um, packed lunches all that sort of stuff and then your daily rates on top of that is your professional fee your tracker fee your vehicle hiring um, it, it, it's meant to cover your vehicle hiring your your diesel all those sort of things that deliver your service when you're out in the bush so it's a great question and i I do think it has been slowly creeping up on us um, where a lot more guys have seen an avenue um, for this to creep in Um, for instance a lot of the hidden costs that were absorbed back in the day um, were things like rifle hire now for me i've been transparent in that in that i do charge a rifle hire and the reason for that is that it's become very very expensive for us in south africa to have the luxury of a rifle so not only does the maintenance um accessories or maintenance um essentials like your oil for your gun and your cleaning equipment and all that sort of stuff not only has that gone up immensely in price but so too is your ammunition. 
So the rifle hire just kind of bridges that gap and because that's a cost you can no longer absorb into a daily fee of a professional hunter, unfortunately. It's just one of those unfortunate things that go with um, the increased um, living expenses. So, you know, these are these are so many different things. I mean, there's all these micro um, things that can go up that I could get really dive into, but I don't think that's the, the point of this question. I think the point is just to try and dif- differentiate yourself from from the two or... or or try and um, highlight that there are two different. There are going to be two different charges, and I think that's going to slowly start becoming the norm, because, like I mentioned before, the hidden costs that are involved. So, <clears throat> be aware of that, guys. You know, at the end of the day, I always say um, one one thing I've learned from the American people and their attitude towards business is that honesty is probably one of the most important things. And um, I've also realized that the more honest you are, the better the relationship you build. So for me, at the end of the day, I don't do this to try and make as much money as possible. I do this to for the conservation of animals. I do this because I love it. I love meeting new people. And yes, of course, I do, I do, do it because I, I, I really enjoy the lifestyle and I do want to make a buck out of it but I'm not going to abuse the system. And what I'm about to say, it's a very general and broad perspective on the industry at the moment, is that there's not too many people out there that aren't in it for those particular reasons. There are one or two guys that are in it to try and make as much money as possible, which is always a bad light on the industry. And I feel not being honest and open about your charging, um, about the fees, is probably one of the most scaly things you can possibly do in the industry. I always feel that people coming out here and spending the kind of money that they are deserve to have an honest and decent respect to what you are charging them. And for me, that's probably one of the most important things. So... Ask the question, you have all rights to ask the question about all these other fees that have slowly but surely started creeping in, especially for the experienced South African hunter that's been out here numerous amounts of times. You guys would understand that, you know, there are fees that are starting to be asked that have never been there before. And it's just a change in the whole economic system. <clears throat> and But it, it, it never hurts to ask. And I think that's probably one of the most... Um, Noble things you guys can do is just, well, from an outfitter's perspective, is just be transparent and honest with your clients because at the end of the day, it will put them at ease. It will make the safari a thousand times better and it will put credibility to your company, you know, um, which is always important in an industry that is such a delicate um, and controversial industry, you know. So yeah, guys, thanks so much for that question. Um, I hope I answered it correctly. Uh, it's just kind of it's kind of my fir- first response that comes to to mind about that sort of question. And um, I just I just think these kind of things are important in to the future. You know, I mean, especially on first timers coming out um, where they don't know what to expect, what sort of questions to ask, and I'm trying to cover as many as I possibly can. So 
that, you know, if they never thought of it now, they would have thought of it after the podcast and, and seen it from a different perspective. So, <clears throat> next question is from Leanne, I am hope I'm saying this right, Colesbrick from Arizona. I know Arizona, it's a beautiful place up there. Um, she said, good day, PS Journals, been following you for some time. Um, why do certain countries like Tanzania, Zambia, Botswana ask a trophy fee and your particular country, South Africa, charges just for the animal? It's always been an interest of mine as we have hunted Tanzania and Zambia for numerous amounts of times and this will be the first time we'll be coming out to South Africa and Namibia. Namibia do the same thing. Keep up the good work. Really enjoy the content. Leanne. <clears throat> well, Leanne, that's a that's a wonderful question. Um, it's So I'm going to ask, answer this to the best of my possible knowledge and my best understanding of what the situation is. South Africa and Namibia are private landowners. So anything on the private land is owned by them. For instance, there are certain uh, scenarios where a couple of years ago we were hunting hippo down in the Fish River that was based on a tender basis. Um, it was out of the jurisdiction of a national park. Um, so the meat was therefore the, the animal, I kind of think the animal belonged to the locals, but we had the hunting rights to that animal, so we could take the trophy part of the animal back with us. So I have I have been, I've been fortunate enough to hunt in a little bit in Botswana, as well as Tanzania, and I know that the trophy fee is for the actual animal. It's the permit to hunt the specific animal in those particular concessions. So as an outfitter in these countries, you you apply, I think some countries is on a yearly basis, some countries is on a five-year basis. Uh, I know in Somalia, it's, it's on a 10-year basis where you apply to lease the land from the government, these, these concession blocks, um, you lease it from the government and they will either you will either bid for the amount of animals that you would like on the concession to hunt um, or they will um, they will designate you a certain quota of animals that you are allowed to hunt. So for instance, if you for 2024 want 30 buffalo to hunt, uh, you'll either go into a tender process on that or they will um, listen to your application and maybe allocate you X amount of buffalo to hunt on that concession. Um, we like to think that there is a lot of <clears throat> uh, influence from scientific research, um, impact assessments and all that sort of stuff that uh, influences these decisions. But that's a discussion for another day. So to answer the question, that's that's the main reason why the trophy fee is because that trophy fee actually needs to be paid back to the government. So the government, most of the time, and I could be completely wrong out of it, but my understanding back then, I mean, last time I was in these countries was five, six, seven years ago. But at the time the concessions we were hunting off you were you were allocated these these species to hunt with permits 
but you only paid for them once they were hunted. Um, I know there were situ- certain situations where the outfitter bought these permits up front, these species up front. Um, but I think what had happened is that uh, at the time where the hunting industry wasn't at, at, at an all-time high, so these concessions, these outfitters were left with um, excess game and they were shooting them out. And Anyway, that's a, like I said, it's a discussion for another day. But So you're allocated these permits. Once it gets hunted, you will pay the government back for that animal as the trophy fee. And kind of you can do whatever you like with the meat. Um, as long as a certain percentage of it goes back into the local villages. On the South African side and the Namibian side, it's all privately owned land. So I'm sure certain parts of Zimbabwe now as well. But all the land is privately owned. Um, So pretty much you buy your animals, you stock your land with those animals that you own. So therefore, you're charged the hunting fee for that whole animal (coughs) excuse me so that's the difference um it's a great question because you know often people do get confused um about the certain scenarios that come into it um for instance you know what 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 distinguishes between a trophy and a cull animal which is a discussion for another podcast but People need to understand that once you hunt these animals in South Africa and Namibia, the farmer gets to um, kind of dictate what sort of prices, number one, he will charge, and number two, what sort of animals are clarified as huntable trophies and um, cull animals type thing. So it all all differentiates on the certain differences in land ownership um, and all that sort of stuff. However, as far as Tanzania, Zambia, you are kind of responsible to make sure that you are taking out the ethically old bulls, um, the the o- older, more out-of-prime, non-breedable animals, because like we like to believe, but in Africa anything is possible, <clears throat> that these statistics, these this data that gets captured out there in the field um, by rangers, like if you were listening to the podcast with Sue Tidwell, um, Lillian, she, she, was a, she was a foot ranger, she was ranging um, for, for the conservation of these animals, so she was making sure the ethical animals were taken out, and that is the, more the professional hunter and the, and the tracker as well as the outfitter's obligation to the government to make sure that they are um, ethically managing these herds. However, back in South Africa and Namibia, it's up to the landowner because he owns the animals. Uh, Government doesn't really have any sort of say in that um, regard, other than if you hunt it on open land um, or in conservancies or out of season or within season, hunting season. So yeah, guys, that's basically the two questions in a nutshell. Um, pretty simple questions, but I, I really just wanted to get back into the swing of things, um, and especially not just answering professional hunting questions and South African hunting questions, more getting involved with clients that are looking to come out and, and making this home, making this a safari destination, which is is very, very important. So, um, yeah, once again, thank you so much for everyone that's interacted. The questions, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's taken me a couple of days to go through them. But um, 
they keep coming in and I really am forever grateful and appreciative. Um, there have been a number of questions that have come up uh, with regards to rifles, importation of rifles, if you bring in your own rifle. Um, um, there is a podcast that's a little bit of an older episode, but if you go back in my PS Journal's archives, you'll see there that there is one uh, particularly done on rifle importation. Go along, listen to that. What I'm going to do is I'm going <clears> to <throat> do a little bit of research and get involved with African um, African SCAR that do a lot of my importation for my clients. Um, so I'll, I'll get involved with them. I'll have a chat to them and see what we can do and maybe hook up a podcast. Um, but I'm not, <laughs> they're not very, uh, they're not one for the mic. But, you know, even if they just give me some sort of basic information that or any sort of update that's happened in the past couple of years or past couple of months, 12 months to be exact. Last year I did the podcast. So, um, yeah, just to keep you guys up to speed and, and as well as uh, keep everybody in the loop about new rules and regulations about bringing firearms into the country. But, um, yeah, guys, that's it for me. A nice, short, sweet, to the point. Really enjoyed this episode. Uh, once again, thank you so much for all the questions. Thank you so much to everyone that has supported me. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It's been a it's been a wonderful journey, and it just keeps getting better. So really looking forward to it. If you guys haven't yet, I would appreciate it if you head along to my YouTube channel and see the latest episode there where I went on an Impala and Letre hunt. I had a great time there out here in the local districts of Queenstown. <coughs> and then, um, yeah, stay posted. Um, I just, just a quick one on my Instagram page. You'll see that some of my followers have dropped drastically. Uh, we're trying to keep our content as pure and natural as possible, um, and as well as my followers. Um, I'm looking for organic following and not one that is flooded by people that don't listen or aren't quite interested in the topic so if you are listening to this podcast and you find yourself removed from my page um, and you do have some sort of interest firstly i completely apologize and secondly if you wouldn't mind heading along and liking it and doing it all over again um, like i said it's just all part of the cleaning up process um, that we are going through so guys um yeah good luck to my South African friends, it's T-minus a couple of weeks now, three weeks of season left. Good luck. Um, head out there. I'm sure there's always going to be more space that you would need for the freezer. And uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop. But if you are, happy hunting. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed, stay humble. We'll catch up with you guys soon. Cheers. The Journal is brought to you by Treason. Don't just blend, become Splitting Image Taxidermy, worth remembering. Maxis Tires, covering pHs over any terrain. Magnum Archery, Scullies, the little things are what makes life wonderful. Vanandi Blends, changing the game. FFS Outdoor, versatile gear for any situation. PH Toolbox, helping you make your own adventure.